Yeah, so we're talking about, we, we uh, left off, and I do want to record this, that this yoke, I think this is very important to us, this yoke that, that God has designed for us, and, and, and really, this is Christ, you know. God the Father, through Jesus Christ communicating to him about humanity, and God the Holy Spirit taking those things of Christ and showing them unto us, so you can see how they all were involved. But yet, you know, for, for God to understand us, God, you know, and he couldn't understand humanity he because he's sovereign. He didn't know what it was to be weak. He is strength. But he understood it through his son becoming, putting on humanity. And, and he, never, he had a human nature, never had a sin nature, we said. He had a human nature. And we were saying that he, he could understand sin, not in the sense of failure or ever being tempted, but just in his deep interest, desire, and love for humanity. It entered into him, never tempted him. And so that the yoke that he has in Matthew 11 and verse 29, that yoke that he has for us is, is that deep desire of his intimacy for us. And when I'm near him through submission of the will, I draw near to him in, in James 4, 8. And now that's how I cleanse my hands. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Okay, how does that happen? Well, he does that as brought out in John 13 in those first 10 verses. We're already saved. And he that's been born again once doesn't need to be reborn again a second time in John 13 and verse 10, but certainly needs to have our feet washed. Because even him washing our feet is the intense desire that he has to love us and to fellowship with us. And so that's, that's amazing. So the yoke there, we're talking about the yoke, the yoke that we all need, the yoke, it's good for us to bear it in our youth. Ecclesiastes 12.1, it's good that we have that yoke when we're young in Lamentations 3 and verse 27, so that when we're old, we won't depart from it. Train up a child in the way when he's young in Proverbs 22 and verse 6. And when he's, and when he's old, doesn't mean he's not going to fail, but when he's old, he, he, ultimately he's not going to depart because, from it because God did that work in us, you know, and he's going to be faithful even when we're not in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13. So the yoke that Jesus has for us is that deep desire of his intimacy. It's that that he uses to keep us close to him just so he can love us intimately. It's so amazing. So, and that's the yoke in Matthew 11 and verse 29. Jesus never needed to be restrained. We do because we have a sin nature in us even though we're not of it in Romans 8 verse 9. That yoke that he has, and that's brought out clearly. It's not, it's not the picture of two oxen with each having a yoke and then picture Jesus has a yoke on him and then he wants us to be. That's not what it's teaching. What it teaches is in the type, and here's the type again in Numbers 19, but it's specifically uh, 1 and 2, but specifically verse 2, that, that uh, red heifer, and again, we know that you know all the sacrifices were male in type. Why is it then a red heifer, which is a female? Because it spoke of his incredible obedience and submission to his father. 
That's what that's bringing out in Numbers 19 and verse 2. But that red heifer was to be spotless, and that meant in his instant, constant submission to the Father's will. That's what that's bringing out. And he was to be spotless, and notice what it says, never having had a yoke on it. He never needed to be restrained. He always, in John 8, 29, Romans 15, 3, he always pleased the Father. And that's why we're created in Christ. In, in Isaiah 43 and verse 7, it's for God's glory and only grace glorifies him. And that's why he has pleasure. We're created for his pleasure in Revelations 4 and verse 11 because Jesus was the only one that pleased him and those that receive him and function in him, they experience the pleasure of who Christ has made them to be in each of each individual vessel that's one and a part of that one body, Ephesians 5.30, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12 and 13, but each a particular member in revealing that. The particular member there in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27, that goes into the particular intimate fellowship for all eternity in Revelations 2 and verse 17 because it's that white stone, it's a hidden manna, and that's God, Christ, always dealing with us through everything. Every situation, every circumstance, every failure, every success. He, he, he's right there with us. He may not be able to fellowship with us when we choose to live in sin and failure, but he's still waiting to be gracious in Isaiah 30 and verse 18, still waiting. And so, you know, again, he never needed this restraint but you and I do. And that's the yoke. And that's why it says, it's why it says that all you that labor, we all do. And are heavy laden. We all are. So, but come unto me. Where? Because you're going to find he's the end of your labor because he bore what you're trying to deal with, not only with yourself, that's heavy laden, but what others put on you. He would never do that because everything, even Job and the Holy Spirit, of course, wrote the book of Job as many as tried to say it's not historical. But he even said, he sewed up my iniquity in a bag in Job 14 and verse 17. Yeah, because that all went on Christ when he came. Now, when it says that in Job 14 and verse 17, he sewed up my iniquity in a bag. That is teaching Micah 7, 18, and 19. Who's a God like you that passes by transgression, meaning not deal with, dealing with it, still having mercy, but not dealing with it yet, and in the, in the sense of his eternal mind, having buried it in the sea of his forgetfulness, meaning not treating us after it, in Micah 7, verse 19, until Christ would come and be that sacrifice in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. He, God made him, Christ the Son, to be the sin sacrifice for us, sin, for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So when God declares us through what Christ has accomplished, okay, that is, he's being righteous. And because he is righteous, because in Psalm uh, 11 and verse 7, the righteous Lord loves righteousness, then he's free to be gracious towards us. It frees him up because his justice, his love and his justice has been met. 
So all of that goes into the reason that we need the yoke to realize that when it says in Colossians 2 and verse 9, in the, for instance, in the King James, it says he, he Christ was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That means the whole time he walked on the face of the earth, he was filled up with all of who God is. That's what it says in the Koine Greek uh, New Testament. He is filled up. He's filled up with all that God is. And then in Colossians two ten, when it says, "And you are complete in Him," saying, "You are filled up in Him." <laughs> That's why we need the yoke, you know. And so, in that sense. He's with us, he's with us, never leaving us nor forsaking us. We may forsake him, we, he may not be able to fellowship with us because God does, can't fellowship when we function in sin, but it doesn't mean he loves us any less because the, because the position that we have in Christ through what Christ accomplished by God giving us his son is unassailable, it's untouchable in 1 John 5, 18. But the experience that has to do, our experience is literally, it is the responsibility and accountability that he fulfilled, yet I must submit my will so that can flow in that intimacy, which is so incredible. And, you know, we look at time, you know, and we get so overburdened and so overwhelmed with what we're going through in time, yet it, it, eternity's the parenthesis of that, leading us through, and then boom, in a, in a 11 one-hundredths to 14 one-hundredths to a second, absent from the body, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we're in him for all eternity. Oh, but we make more of time than we do of the eternal mind of Christ, and the eternity that is mine, the eternal life that I have in me as a vessel in 1 John 5, 11, And that's the treasure in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in these fragile clay jars. And if I've ever learned anything, it, it, at 70 years old, he has to make us so weak, just so we function in the strength and deep desire and intimacy of his love. And it's so amazing to, to, to experience it. And the thing is, the flesh in us under the, under the enemy does not want us to be weak because that bastard does not want us to experience what he can't, he's never experienced, even in an unfallen state, never mind a fallen one. Because the only, only creation of God that was ever created in his image is man. You and I. Because he was the lamb in Revelation 13, 8, that was slain before the foundation of the earth. And the Lamb spoke of Christ putting on humanity. It's, I don't know this fully. No, it's so incredible. I can't say that I do, but I, it's so amazing. But just think about what we have to look forward to for all eternity. But now we have to pass through time. You know? And, and this persecution... If they hated Christ, they're going to hate you. They hated him first. In John 15, 18, they're going to hate you. Yeah. They kept my sayings and, and, and to use against me. What do you, and if my sayings are yours, what do you think they're going to do? You know? And they're going to reject you. And they're going to be your enemy. You see that in Psalm 35 and verse 19. 
you know, in David, and it was said in the spirit of Christ, my enemies are more than the hairs of my head. And uh, I think that's uh, Psalm 69, verse 4. And for my love, they're my adversaries, and they reward me uh, hatred for my good in Psalm 109, verse 4. And you can see that even in verse, verse 5, how there's such hatred, you know. And so there's going to be persecution for us, but that's not evidence that God's not for us. It's the evidence that he's so for us in Christ and in the world, how instantly hatred they so hate us, you know, because God is for us. He, he's nothing but for us in Christ now that we're in him. Because, because if he weren't, then he would have to, there would have to be something he'd hold against his son. But we're one with him in John 17, 11. 21 and 22. And God gave us his son so that we would be one with him as his son, but have a loving father and not a judge. You know? And uh, so that's the importance of having the yoke and the importance of, yeah, he's with us. He's with us in Hebrews 13, 5, triple salutation to never leave you nor forsake you. In Joshua 1, 5, I will not fail you nor forsake you. Because my love doesn't change. It's, it's free to flow because the justice has been met. And so love never fails in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, meaning it, it, it pictures like there, when, when it says never fails, it really means, in the, in the Greek, it means it never fades. So it's like this, the most gorgeous flower or creation you have ever seen. You look at it and you go, oh my God, it's so gorgeous. Yes, that's his love for us. It never fades. It just never fades. And, and so if I have a personal yoke and I'm personally yoked up to him, I won't have any problem with any of those through those that are Christ. I won't. I won't. I won't because it, it, from the... From the babe to the, to the young man to the spiritual dad doesn't make any difference. They're, those are called our brothers, those that are one with us in the Lord. And I may have a greater knowledge through a much greater grace and truth, but they're just as much Christ's as they are anyone's. And that's what does away with all the, the nonsensical evil comparing, you know, that, those, that comparing stuff, you know. I believe that's 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Uh, there's no, you know, there's no comparison because there's no wisdom involved in it because wisdom is just the activity of God's nature, which is love flowing through that wisdom. And that's why when we lack it, which means we are weak. And when I'm weak, the only thing that I will function on is what I see and can determine by myself. That's why we need to have constant wisdom. But all we have to do is ask. If you lack wisdom... Ask of God, and he will give you the strength of his grace to see properly. And that's James 1.5. But notice how wisdom there is how to deal with going through all these trials in time. But the trying of our faith, 1 Peter 1.7, is much more precious than gold. It's much more precious, precious because you don't have to see him to trust him. You don't, you don't have to see him. You don't have to doubt that what he has for you. Because he's for you, no matter what it looks like. And the enemy tries to bring in sight and all this natural reasoning, you know. 
I think it's interesting too. Because, the, because after having taken Israel out of Egypt, and they were in bondage, right? For over 400 years, they were in bondage, and they couldn't do a thing about it till Christ raised up Moses, type of Christ, in delivering them. <laughs> in delivering them. And you see that. Moses and the type and the work that God was doing, he was teaching us into the, into the future about Jesus Christ. He never did a thing on his own. It was always between the Son and the Father. Always. And led by the Holy Spirit. See that? Matthew 4.1, Luke 4.1. He was led by the Holy Spirit. God. Because he was filled up with him. And he, they never did, never did anything independent. He never did anything independent of the Father. He's the, he was the very will of God being worked out in time to be fulfilled. John 4, verse 34, based upon Psalm 40, verses 7 and 8. That's what he did. And so he led them out, and one night, in one night, what they couldn't do for over 400 years. And while they're in their tents murmuring because of fear, and looking at their circumstances and situations by sight, thanks a lot, God, you, let, you took us out, you saved us, thanks. But now you left me in the wilderness, and look where you led me. Moses, the time. look where you led me, right to the Red Sea. How is 2.4 million men, never mind women and children, going to get over that? You can't do it. Mountain range on the left, mountain range on the right, fierce army on, on the back, on their, on, behind them. <laughs> yeah? And they're in their tents murmuring. And the whole time they're doing that, God is gently, gently moving back the Red Sea and preparing the way for them to enter, you know, preparing the way. He always makes a way of, of escape for our doubt, for our fears, for our insecurities, for the struggles. And they walk on dry ground, and that's a, that's a type of Christ. So the, re, the passage of the Red Sea is a type of Christ dying for us. Notice, for us. In Exodus 12, 1 to 13, the, the Passover lamb you know, where we would pass over. So those two types bring out Christ dying for us. But now, what, he has to lead us to the Jordan. He died for me. Now I have to accept my own death with him. And when I do, I enter into the promised land. And when that happens, that's when all their enemies came out because they were in the promised land and it's going to be contended. And that's our spiritual warfare. Constantly. So the conflict is evidence that God's against me. No, it's the height of our the height of the intimacy of his love replaced us. That's what's coming against us. <laughs> Those are just some of uh, you know the thoughts that God's given us this morning, you know, and I and I studied something. Maybe I'll share it later. What is this is Thursday. I'll share it at a different time. But I I, I was looking this thing. Because God is dealing with me personally, you know, about my eyes, you know, about just my eyes, because, you know, just for me personally, doesn't mean I don't struggle, fail, and mess up, but I always, I have to have his word and to take it in. And my eyes are being challenged now, and it's very interesting, he, he uh, led me to study all about eyes this morning, about seeing and hearing properly, 
and used the scriptures and, and correlated incredible things and how the enemy constantly comes against our proper sight, which is our proper image, so that we consider ourselves to be what he wants us to be in our experience, bastards. Because literally, when we don't see right, how do we operate? Boy, he brought that out, you know, with me. And I think, and also, too, it's very challenging to me, you know. Uh, lately, lately, like these past few months, I mean, I've hardly, and you know me, Mike, for all, I hardly ever cancel ever a time to meet. You know, I mean, because we all have things that happen. I'm not saying we don't have business. Don't allow the enemy to use that. <laughs> you know, we all have times when God leads us to do certain things when we can't meet, and that's perfect, and his plan is perfect. Boom. But I'm just talking about, for me personally, there's times just because I'm older and I'm weak and my, I don't have the same energy and concentration. And lately I've had to cancel off and on a lot of Wednesday nights, <laughs> which I hate to do. And I struggle with that, you know, because of my age. And, and what am I struggling with? Weak. Yeah. I'm just weak. You know, it's not that I don't, it's not that I want to do it. It's just that, geez, you know, that I'm, I'm just weak. And, but when I'm weak, I'm strong, you know. So he strengthened us. But he has to bring us to a place of weakness so that we function in the strength and intimacy of his deep desire of this love exchange that he desires us to have with him so personally. And so he is with us to never leave us nor forsake us because he's for us. You know, but the thing on the eyes, boy, I do, if God has it, I do want to share that, you know, about eyes, you know, and how they're a class of people. They have, they have uh, ears to hear and don't hear. They have, they, have, they have eyes to see and refuse to see. And that's when, and, and Jesus he did bring that, you know, Matthew 13, verse 15. He said, but blessed are your eyes, for you see. What, a, what an amazing, and how? It's all by grace. It's all, it's all by grace, because without it, I don't understand truth, and you can't separate the two, because they're one in Christ, in John 1, verse 14, you know. And that's what he has for each of us individually. And that goes back into that Revelations 2, and verse 17 the hidden manner in that white stone with that name which speaks of a nature inscribed on that stone that only he who gives it and he that received it know. <laughs> that's that intense uh, desire and that's what he's preparing us for in time. To prepare us to meet him face to face in 1 Corinthians 13, 12 to have an intimate, deep fellowship with us and he is waiting Imagine Jesus Christ, he's the bridegroom. What is he? He just is waiting, you know, in rest, but such with an excitement and intensity for his bride, for each of us that make up that bride. For God to do what only he could do and desired to do through only through Christ had to make him weak. So he could be our strength for the fulfillment of the strength of God's love for us. That's what it says. He was crucified through weakness. So even when it says that in Hebrews, it's in Hebrews 2, 
uh, verse 9, it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower, it says, than the angels by the suffering of death, meaning taking on that human, not sin nature, but human nature, to be weak. That's what that's talking about. So he understands weakness. He understand God understand it. Not, not in terms of having to sin, but just see all of what, you just think about what he saw. Jesus, lepers that he healed, people, de- people demon-possessed, people, just all this, all that, it just entered into him. Oh, because, you know, and, and in that sense, he functioned in a place of weakness. And the only time he functioned in deity was in the perfection of God's plan. You see that even in James, the second cha- uh, John, John chapter 2, when he turned the water into wine. <laughs> and even in that type, you know, because usually, usually they would, what they would do, and, and there were six water pots, stone water pots, six man's number, pour in. They would, when they would have guests back then, they would serve all the good wine first, all the, the best, so then they could bring out the lesser. <laughs> and keep, but God does the opposite. Not only... He's, he's going to say, he saves the best for us, and it's worth what we go through in time, suffering and struggles and learning and trials, because he, he's going to have the best for us, and that's when we see Christ face to face. He brings, because he, that's what it, they were saying. Wow, usually the guests, they, they, they give you the best and then, give you the, then, then they give you the least. But you, you did the opposite. Yeah, that's because only God can do this. <laughs> Only God has done that. And that's the type, even there, even in his first miracle that he, he performed. And showing that he is not just, that he's not just uh, impeccable human nature, but he's God. Truly God, truly man. One in him. <laughs> and God having met all of the, everything about us through his son. God and so he's so so the father the the father he functions as our father through his son and who he's made us to be. It's pretty awesome. 